unbelief is what appears to be absolutely true based on facts of your experience, but it is absolutely false based on God's word, character, and nature. We're going to be looking at a story today that I believe uh, is a great encouragement for everyone here today. And what this story talks about is giving us an understanding of what God-honoring faith looks like, what God-honoring faith looks like. We're in part two. My name's Doug, by the way. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm not Jim. Uh, uh, Jim's the one with gray hair, uh, <laughs> unlike me. So, uh, oh, he doesn't have a goatee. That's how you can tell us apart. So. Um, but we're in part two of a series called Wonderful Counselor. And this series is based on questions that Jesus asked. And Jesus, as our wonderful counselor, he asked some pretty important and profound questions. So last week, uh, other Doug, other Pastor Doug, uh, looked at the question, why are you so afraid? And the focus of that sermon last week was how you see the storms of life. When you face storms of life, how do you view those storms of life? And today's title is the question that Jesus asked to two blind men. We see the story in Matthew chapter 9, and this is the question that he asked. Do you believe that I am able to do this? Do you believe that I am able to do this? And again, just like last week's question, uh, I think that this applies to everyone here today. I don't think there's anyone here today that this doesn't apply to. Um, You've heard it said already a couple times in this service, from wherever you are. So regardless of where you are at in your life, where you are at in your faith walk, whether you've even begun a faith walk, I believe this will speak to us today because all of us, all of us have a situation. We all have a problem, a challenge, a somebody, a story, something in your life that you cannot solve or overcome on your own. I think that's universally applicable. And so... Um, and if you don't have one today, just wait till tomorrow or next week or next year. But that will come your way. We will, be, we will be in that position. And we will have to come up with a response when Jesus asks us the question, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Today's focus, the main point that we're trying to get at today is God honoring faith moves the heart of God. God honoring faith moves the heart of God. And I want to set the context in the story before we bring the text up and read it together. Um, uh, Matthew chapter 9, we see that Jesus is just returning to Capernaum. That's kind of his, his ministry base, if you will. That's where Peter lived, and, and uh, many people believe that Jesus had a place there, and so that's kind of was their ministry base. And he returns to Capernaum after doing some other other ministry stuff, and, and we see him right off the bat, as soon as he gets off the little boat, we see him healing a paralytic, okay? We see him call Matthew. We did that study, oh, three or four months ago. We, we read about the calling of Matthew. That's in, that's in, this, in this chapter nine. Um, we see him healing uh, the woman uh, who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years. You remember that story about she comes up behind him and, and she proclaims, maybe if I just touch his cloak, I'll be healed. And surely she was. But most notably in this chapter, before the story that we're going to look at today, we see Jesus granting a request to the, the synagogue leader in Capernaum. So he was a Jewish religious leader 
whose daughter had died. And he asked Jesus to heal his daughter, to raise her from the dead. And Jesus raises his daughter from the dead. This chapter also talks about all these, when they, when they viewed, when the folks, the multitude saw all these things that were happening, um, uh, it says in, the, in that chapter that they were filled with awe and that they were amazed. And they, it, there's even a portion that says, and they said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But we will see in our story today that there's a significant difference between awe and amazement and life-altering faith. There's a big difference. A lot of the crowd was amazed. A lot of them were in awe. But we don't see a lot of people, besides these two blind men, actually stepping to the next faith, uh, to the next step of faith, that life-altering faith. It was a transformational faith that moved them closer to where God wanted them to be. So our text today is Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 through 31. Uh, you can open your Bible apps on your phone if that's what you're using today. Uh, if you didn't bring a Bible with you today, if you're using a regular old Bible, then open that today to, to Matthew chapter 9. Um, uh, if you don't have a Bible today, there's a chair Bible in front of you. Pull that out. It will be on page 681 of that chair Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, pull that one out and put your name in it and take it home with you today. Let's go ahead and bring the text up and we'll read that together. And this is, this is if it doesn't go along with your uh, exactly what yours says. This is the ESV version, which is just the one that I favor. So, and as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, see that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame throughout all the district. So for you note takers, page one on your outline is this. God honors faith that believes even when it does not see. A faith that believes even when it does not see. Again, when we look at the story, uh, there's some interesting things in this story. First and foremost is the title that the blind men used for Jesus. They did not cry out Jesus. They cried out Son of David. And that title given uh, to Jesus was a promise that was made hundreds of years before to King David that the Messiah would come from his lineage. And so the fact that they cried out Son of David, by using that title, these blind men were confessing their belief that Jesus was who he said he was. They were, they were confessing, you are God in the flesh. You are the long-awaited Messiah. So they were confessing belief in who Jesus was. Again, they said, we believe in you, Jesus. And then they went on to say, and because we believe that you are who you say you are, they came forth with a petition. And notice what the petition is. It wasn't heal our blind eyes. That's not what they asked for. They said, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. This is a, I mean, I was, I, I, I read scripture every now and then. I mean, I, I study the scripture and I look at these things. And, and this, it always catches me by surprise some of these things that, that, I, that, come, that, that God reveals to us through his word. But, but he, they say, have mercy on us. And I believe what this was for these men is this was a heartfelt con, uh, confession of their unworthiness. They were, they were in the presence of, 
of God in the flesh. They were in the presence of the long-awaited Messiah, and they were confessing their unworthiness. They were sinners in need of God's mercy. They wanted God's merciful forgiveness. And whether or not he healed their infirmities, they wanted to be forgiven. They wanted spiritual healing. I think that's what they were asking for. Yes, they were blind. Yes, they had an issue with their blindness, but I think they wanted spiritual healing. And again, their petition, when they cried out, have mercy on us, it was in no way based on their own merit. These guys were not in a good position in their society. They were, their lives had to have been very difficult. They lived lives of condemnation in that, in that culture. Uh, people that were blind, which was very common at that time, were condemned and, and were, it was thought that because of some sin in their life, they, they were blind or some sin of even of their parents or their grandparents that they were blind. So uh, again, uh, their, their petition wasn't based on their own merit, but instead, remember that first quote I came up with, had on the screen? Their own um, their petition was based on God's character, on God's nature, and the promises in God's word. They, no doubt, being raised in a Jewish community, had heard the long-awaited Messiah. It was prophesied that the long-awaited Messiah would be merciful. He would grant mercy to those who called upon him. So that's what their petition was based on. Psalm 51.17 tells us, The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. These blind men were broken and they were repentant. They were confessing their unworthiness and they were talking to the right guy to deal with their issues. Now again, we see in the book of Hebrews 11.1, I think we have that scripture. Um, Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. A demonstration or an explanation of faith. These blind men, they, they believed, they had faith in him who was able to heal before they were delivered from their blindness. They had faith before. They weren't healed and then believed. They had faith and believed before they were healed, okay? You see, I believe that, that these guys were very dissatisfied with not only their physical blindness, but their spiritual blindness. And they longed for something better. They had a longing for something better in their lives. And they had an awareness from their confession. You see, they had an awareness of the one who could bring about that healing in their life. And they acted upon that conviction of things not seen. They acted upon that conviction of knowing they were in the presence of the one who could heal them. And, and for them, it was literally. They really couldn't see. They were blind, okay? But they were also spiritually blind. And because of that confession of faith, because of that acting upon that conviction, they were healed. That describes God honoring faith. That is the very definition of God honoring faith. Point two on your outline. God honors faith that perseveres when nothing changes. Faith that perseveres when nothing changes. Doesn't it always look like that word spelled wrong? I struggled with that. Everybody that worked on that slide had to look that word up to make sure we spell it right. But, so faith that perseveres even when nothing, of course, I'm not very good at spelling, but faith that perseveres when nothing changes. Now, in the story, if you remember in the story, if you've got your Bibles open, you can look at this even. The blind men demonstrated their faith by pursuing Jesus. They persevered in their, in their desire to experience his healing. Remember what the story said is they cried out 
And guess what Jesus did? He kept on walking. And he went into the house. And they followed him. They believed, so they followed him into his house. They pursued him. And an interesting thing that I didn't bring up previously is, is uh, in that verse it says they cried out. That just wasn't, hey, son of David, have mercy on us. That word is used in another place in the New Testament, the book of Revelation, and it speaks of a woman crying out in labor. Now, ladies, I don't know this, but I'm pretty sure that's a passionate cry for either the pain to stop or for deliverance of that baby. And so these guys were passionate in their cry. It was a heartfelt, it, one of the descriptions says an animalistic cry, deep groaning and spiritual crying out for healing and, and a touch in their life. So again, they followed him, they continued to believe, they, they persisted, they persevered in their desire for his mercy. And perhaps this was simply Jesus not responding but just kept walking into the house. Maybe this was a test of their faith. Maybe he was testing a little bit the genuineness of their faith to see if indeed they would pursue him, okay, in their faith, to see if it was real, see if their faith was real. Luke 19, another example of, 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 pers- uh, of perseverance. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus uh, uh, shares a parable of the persistent widow. And I won't read that whole parable to you, but the parable really speaks of God's heart uh, towards the believer who perseveres in the request for God's touch and deliverance. And this is a ver- one of the ver- couple of verses that come from that. It says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. So God responds to faith that perseveres. Another quote that I have is, uh, true faith does not contradict its words by its conduct. True faith does not contradict its words by its conduct. The blind men's conduct They followed Jesus, they pursued him for his healing touch, was consistent with their confession, okay? They demonstrated God-honoring faith. In other words, they were walking their talk. They didn't just say they believed, they demonstrated their faith by by their following Christ. We're ready for point three. And I bet you're thinking, boy, he's really getting through quick, which I am. But point three in your outline. God honors Faith that is demonstrated by actions. You'll probably have to add that by actions on your outline. I think that's missing. So uh, God honors faith that is demonstrated by actions. So again, we saw in that, in the, in that story that, that many in the crowd that day were, were in awe, that many in the crowd that day were amazed at the miracles. But again, we read that it was only the two blind men who moved from awe and amazement to life-altering faith. They demonstrated in their actions of both pursuing Christ, following him, and then we see at the very end of that chapter, uh, they witnessed about his healing touch to all that would listen. Verse 31 in that chapter says, they went out and spread the news about him all over the region, okay? They were fulfilling the Great Commission before the Great Commission had even been issued. Because they believed, they took action on their belief. And we, we read about that, about faith and works, faith and action in James 2. Uh, we've got some verses to look at in that, in that uh, book, if you'll bring those up. Um, 
Let's read that. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was it not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not only by faith alone. Again, you see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. Their conduct, again, their actions match their confession. Okay, Their actions confirmed their faith and their faith brought transformation in their lives. That's how that process worked. They took action on their faith They said we believe, they demonstrated in their actions, and that God-honoring faith brought transformation into their lives. They were changed. They had taken a step from wherever they were to where God wanted them to be. They had taken that next step. Another quote, God-honoring faith enables us to face life's difficulties, not because we can see, but with the certainty that we are seeing. Not that we know all the answers, but that we are known. God knows our hearts, and he hears us when we cry for his strength and provision when our actions are consistent with our confession. Let me read that again. God knows our heart, and he hears when we cry out for his strength and provision when our actions are consistent with our confession. That's God honoring faith. Hebrews eleven six says this. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Again, because of these blind men's God-honoring faith, they had drawn near to God. They moved closer to him in faith. And they did receive at least a temporal reward, a temporal and an eternal reward, the reward of both spiritual and physical healing. They had put their, they'd taken the step, they'd put their trust in the one who was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all they could ask or think when they said, yes, Lord, we believe that you are able. I want to share one of my faith stories with you this morning. It's a personal story. Um, I take a bit of a risk because it's a bit personal, but I'm going to share it anyway because that's what God told me to do. On July 25th, 2003, um, I held my 26-year-old son in my arms as we disconnected the life support that he was on. And this was the end of a three-year battle uh, with cancer. And those three years included several rounds of chemotherapy. Um, I got to perform his wedding during that three-year period, and he also went through two stem cell transplants. And over this three-year period, I was really the person as the spiritual head of the home. I was really the person that my son and my wife and my daughters and my daughter-in-law looked to for strength and encouragement. I had to be the strong one during that time. And after Chris's memorial service that I did, um, I was spent. I didn't have anything left. 
I was, I was just kind of done. And I can remember sharing with a close friend that I felt like my heart had been so stretched with grief that I didn't think I could ever be the same. I really thought that I was ruined, that I could never be the same because really I was physically and emotionally and spiritually empty. I was broken beyond repair. And at that point, I had a choice to make. I could either withdraw from life and fall into a hole, which is, was, seemed like a pretty good option at times, just to withdraw and crawl into a hole. Or I could exercise my faith. I could take a step in faith. I could respond positive to Christ's question. And again, he said to me during that time, not in these exact words, but he spoke to me clearly, do you believe, Doug, that I'm able to do this? That I'm able to heal and restore you? And while I could not see, I didn't see any way possible for that to happen. I didn't see how that could happen. But I did respond, yes, Lord, I do believe that. And, and during that time of Chris' hospitalization, Karen and I had scriptures on the wall of the hospital room there where Chris was the last couple of months of his life. And one of those scriptures was Roman 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Again, what happened wasn't good, but that scripture talks about that God can cause all things to work together for good. And again, choosing faith over and above circumstances, I decided to take God at his word, believing that somehow in his sovereign plan, he could cause this tragedy to work together for his good. And I will share this, that the healing process required perseverance. It didn't happen overnight. It's been 14 years, and you can still tell it's a little bit painful. Uh, but I continued living my life. Uh, I continued acting on my faith, loving and serving others, fulfilling the call that God had placed upon my life, not only in ministry, but as a, as a husband and as a father and as a friend. I continued taking steps of faith and walking in that way, even though a lot of the times I, it was purely an act of faith because I didn't, I didn't have what it took at that time to do that. And so what came eventually was a healing process. He did bring that healing in his perfect timing. And now, now, even though I know I'm still not the person he desires me to be, but now that stretched out heart that was stretched with grief has been filled with a deeper, a deeper understanding of loving people and a deeper understanding of compassion and empathy for others. Just like the blind man, just like the blind man, I'm a much more usable vessel for God's kingdom than I was before. I'm better than I was before. I'm not, no, I'm not, I, it could never be the same, and it's not the same because I'm a better Christ follower now than I was before. And please understand this. I'm not in any way this morning trying to, trying to tell you that my faith is bigger than yours. That's not what it's about at all. It's all about saying, yes, Lord, when he asks you that question. Do you believe that I'm able to do this in your own story? We're all gonna have stories. We've all got stories. So again, our answer to Jesus' question, 
do you believe that I'm able to do this? It's not just a one-time question, okay? Sometimes it's every day. Sometimes it's an everyday thing where we face things that God asks us that question. And our response to that question will not only set in motion the path of our lives, but I believe it will also determine our destiny. If we never allow Christ to transform us by exercising our faith, that's not a good thing. We need to exercise our faith and allow him to change us, to be who he wants us to be. Again, Hebrews eleven six. without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. I want to share with you as we get ready to close. Boy, and I really am early. I have to go grab the guys for the worship band. Oh, they're already here. They're there. Um, I just, I pulled this out this morning to be, include um, in, in my clothes. And this is, um, this is a copy of one of my son's devotional pages from his devotional that he wrote. Um, and again, Chris was 26, and, and uh, this, was, this was written after he received his diagnosis. I can't remember exactly at what point he was at in his treatment. But he wrote this, and it was a response to a devotional. And he quotes a couple scriptures. He says, Christ magnified in my body, courage equal boldness, conduct worthy of the gospel of Christ. Surrender of will is a conscious decision, a shift of control and focus. To live as Christ, to die as gain. Living as a Christian entails being Christ-like, magnifying him in all things, and considering his will in all situations, just as Christ did. There is no question regarding the crisis. Now I must decide and surrender my will to him, actually give up my will, and be absolutely, entirely for him to do my utmost and magnify him. He was one of my heroes of faith through his illness. So, a faith that believes even when it doesn't see, a faith that perseveres even when nothing changes, a faith that is demonstrated by our actions. These things are God-honoring and they move the heart of God. It's a faith that is centered upon the faithfulness of God. It has nothing to do with our standing. It has nothing to do with our merit. It's based on the faithfulness of God, a God whose ways are higher than our ways, a God whose thoughts I cannot comprehend, a God who is good through and through, an all-powerful and ever-present and an all-knowing God. And I believe that our answer should be the same as those blind men there in our story today. And when we do, when we say, yes, Lord, I believe that this step of faith, in whatever matter it might be, that this step of faith moves us closer to where he wants us to be. If you're here today, I don't know where all of you are in your faith walk. If you're here today and, and have never stepped into a relationship with Christ, maybe you're just here, somebody, maybe somebody drug you here, kicking and screaming today. But if you're here today and you've never made that decision, to, to consider that, 
to consider what, what God has to offer you through Christ, then uh, I would say that God is asking you that same question today. Do you believe that he's able to do this for you? Do you believe that he can make you a better person, a person that's closer to what your created purpose was? And so I think you need to answer that question if you're ready for that. If you've already stepped into a relationship with Christ, you're gonna face this question every time you face a time of, of choosing self-dependence over God-dependence. Every time that you face a circumstances that is beyond your control. One thing that I learned a lot through this process was God can really work through your life when you come to an end of yourself. When there's nothing left of you and you have nothing left, it's pretty hard to be dependent on that when you've got nothing left, when your tank is empty. So for you, uh, what, is God, what is God asking you? What is your next step of faith? How can you respond to him when he asks you that question? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you love us, that you demonstrated that love in the sending of your son. And Father, we thank you that you are a good and loving God, that you are faithful. Father, that you have a sovereign plan for each and every person here today, that your desire is to have us draw near to you, that you might uh, bring about the things in our life that will bring wholeness and completeness. Father, we confess this morning how much we need you, how much we desire your touch, your healing touch for whatever, whatever we have, whatever we face. We desire your healing touch, your presence, your power, your provision. So Father, we thank you that, that you've uh, said so simply, all we have to do is ask, come to you, confessing our needs, confessing our sins. Father, confessing before you, declaring who you are, and Father, that you will lovingly respond in your merciful ways. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.